Hey now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. I got D-Boy alongside me today. D-Boy, how you doing, fella? I'm rejuvenated. I'm feeling good. Rejuvenated, huh? Yeah, I, I had bad allergies the last show. I think the show before that, it, we, we had a busy, we kind of put it to get like, I just feel rejuvenated. I think we got yeah. some good content to talk about. Obviously, with everything that's going on in the world, it's been overwhelming, and I think that played a part of it as well as not being able to do sports talk the way that we are used to doing at this time of the year, um, things like that. So I think that's what I mean by rejuvenated. I had to kind of get back into my own, and sometimes that happens with the podcast, I got to admit. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Before we get started digging into some of the big content that we'll discuss today, especially on the sports front um, with the NBA players uh, really being in limbo right now, not knowing whether they do or do not want to play for the remainder of this season that has already been approved to play. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, We'll also talk about some music. There's been a lot of good music that has come out uh, since the the murdering of George Floyd and kind of in this protest season that has came upon us. Um, So a lot of different music that I want to talk about, even from um, the local rap hero slash basketball hero, Damian Lillard here in the city of Portland. Um, But before that, I do want to announce some major news in regards to um, the city of Portland, in regards to uh, this defunding the police movement that we're seeing happen happen nationally. Um, But something that my job, Street Roots, has been working on for over a year now, and that is Portland Street Response. Uh, Many of you may have heard me talk about Portland Street Response uh, over the last, like I said, year or so, as it's something that I've advocated for. Um, It's something that our job has been advocates for. It it, it came out of and derived from a report written by Emily Green, who is uh, our senior staff reporter at Street Roots. And it ultimately gained a lot of momentum. And last year, when the Portland City Council had its budget hearing, it allotted a half a million dollars to the Portland Street Response Pilot. So $500,000 to be exact, um, for those of you that don't know what half a million is. Um, But obviously we're in some unprecedented times right now. And with Portland Street Response being um, derived out of first response being different or differing from police being first responders, Obviously, everything going on, the movement going on, folks wanting to defund the police. Um, City Council had its budget hearing today, its official one, and Portland Street response went from being allotted half a million dollars, I mean, yeah, half a million dollars to now $4.8 million. So nearly 10 times the amount that Portland Street response was initially allotted because of the times that we're in, because of the stance that the community has been taking, because of the protests that are going on outside. Um, you know, obviously, some folks wish to see more money um, defunded from the Portland Police Bureau. It was $27 million, I want to say. Um, I don't have it right in front of me. A lot of people in the community demanded that it be $50 million. But I must say, being that we are a, st- a small street paper organization that has championed this pilot and to see it grow drastically from $500,000 to 
to $4.8 million is certainly something um, to be proud of. And it's certainly something that many of us need to really check into and look into and, and ultimately build off of because it's a much more compassionate approach rather than the police coming and being first responders to folks on the streets that are having mental health crises. So that's big, big news. And I, I certainly wanted to update you all on that. So uh, it's a also, lot of money. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of money. I mean, you know, like I said, many people will say it's not enough. Yeah, but you know, but, yeah, but it's a great start. It's a great start. I mean, I mean, you know, like I said, just thinking of kind of where it came from and how it derived out of a report essentially in our newspaper to to point that it is now. Obviously, you know, we couldn't have foreseen these particular times that we're in right now happening, but we know in 2017 in Multnomah County, which is the county that the city of Portland is in for all my outsiders that aren't here in Oregon, over 50% of arrests made in the city of Portland or in Multnomah County, excuse me, were people that were homeless and on the streets. Only about half of that were violent crimes. So you figure over half the people getting arrested out here are people who live on the streets who are having these mental health crises in public. Why? Because they live in the public. They don't have four walls to kind of keep them mm -hmm. tucked away from the rest of the community. Can so find. folks are, are automatically calling 911. They're calling the police on these folks. These people it's get put in the half handcuffs. It's very unnecessary. The scene is every made, 15 minutes, every 15 minutes, the Portland Police Bureau was getting a phone call about a mental health crisis that yeah. was nonviolent happening in the community. Every 15 minutes. Just really think about that. So, um, like I said, we could have obviously never seen the current times that we are in right now coming at this particular time. But, be, you know, timing is everything. And being that the pilot was already established, there was already money committed to the particular pilot. And now the city has really been pushing to defund the police. That money, some of that money, I should say, was reallocated to Portland Street Response. And now it will be receiving $4.8 million um, in the next budget year as rega in regards to launching it and hopefully changing some of the nasty first response issues that we've been dealing with. Um, so, yeah, big, big kudos to Street Roots on that. The work now begins. We're really just beginning. Um, so I'm looking forward to see what that'll do and the changes that that'll make and create here in the city of Portland. Fact. But uh, I want to talk sports. Honestly, I miss talking sports. Um, <laughs> I, I've been making a lot of appearances lately, more so speaking to the political work that I do, obviously, um, having a social stance with the times that we're in with the police brutalities, with the injustices against black America. Um, I, I was on international news last week, uh, TRT. Um, I was on news in Turkey, London, Washington, D.C. I was on the Ball Face Truth with John Canzano, which was the very first show that I had ever been a part of. I was an intern on that show while I was in college. Um, and that was pretty much the, the foundation of how my career started was being a part of that show. Um, even today, just a couple of hours ago, um, I had to make an appearance on K2 because of that particular budget hearing that I just discussed with Portland Street Response. So right now it's 10.15 on a Wednesday night on the 11 o'clock news on K2, which is the ABC affiliate here in Portland. Um, I'll be making an appearance on there discussing Portland Street Response and its value and 
you know, obviously the increased budget um, that was allotted to that particular pilot. Um, so I want to talk NBA now. We'll still <laughs> obviously weave in a lot of what's going on socially here in America because you kind of just don't have a choice, <laughs> um, especially when we're talking about the NBA and what's going on in the NBA and essentially the Players Coalition led by Kyrie Irving and I believe Avery Bradley it is, um, are pretty much in limbo because they are trying to figure out whether the NBA should resume or the players should resume on July 31st when the NBA was announced to be able to restart in Orlando, Florida at uh, the Walt Disney World Complex. Um, but because of the unprecedented times that we're in, you know, you got a lot of guys saying, hey, should we really just stick to being in the moment that we're in uh, as America is protesting, is hitting the streets and is really striving and pushing for a difference like we've never seen before? Or if we do go and play basketball at the end of July, will that be a distraction to this particular momentum that we've gotten um, with these protests that have been going on? And a lot of NBA players have been on the Cancel front lines in those season. protests. That's what you think? Yes. Talk to me. It's too, it's too many things that are pointing towards it's a wrap. I think I'm, I'm a firm believer in being one of those type of people where things flow Obviously, you're running the roadblocks. You got to make adjustments and yada, yada. But, I mean, from the COVID-19 situation hitting to um, considering playing games without fans to now doing the one location in Orlando and the format kind of arguably being not directly in line with how the season was going, but as close as they possibly could get to... It allowing extra people time who had injuries. It's just a lot of things that go into it to where, obviously, I'm a huge basketball fan. There's mm -hmm. no no doubt about it. Um, I just, I think it's a wash and it's unfortunate. Don't get me wrong, but this whole series of events has been unfortunate. And, you know, that's, I haven't even mentioned the whole protesting situation and all of these deaths and situations that has have arisen since the George Floyd murder. So with that being said, um, I think that just further complicates things. You got some players who feel deeply and adamantly strong about not playing and feeling like it's a distraction. You got some people who think that, you know, it, it'll be a better way to use their platform to play and be able to speak about this kind of stuff. So, um, just with so many different elements and so many different opinions and people not being on the same page, I think it's a wash for the season. It should be a wash. I don't think it, I don't think I'm right. I don't yeah. think it will be. Yeah. But I think it should be. Yeah, I mean, I definitely say, you know, I was one of the first people when this whole public health pandemic came about to say cancel all seasons to mm -hmm. all sports mm -hmm. just because we're in a public health I pandemic remember that. flat out. Yeah, that's um, enough. So there. so so in regards to that, I think I still stand firm on that particular stance mm -hmm. um because of the current times we are in with COVID-19. Now, in regards to 
speaking about what these players are talking about, they're not talking about resuming the season or not resuming the season, I should say, because of a COVID-19 right. pandemic. Right. They're, they're talking, talking about, about it because, because of, the of the social issues, the awareness of police brutality that has mm-hmm. come about since the murder of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, being uh, a majority black league, some of those guys don't necessarily feel comfortable coming back and playing ball with the particular momentum that we have. So if I had to solely speak to that Initially, I must say, I didn't agree with the Players Coalition. I didn't agree with Kyrie Irving, Avery Bradley, you name it, because they really didn't have much more of a premise outside of just the momentum that society well, well, has right I, I now. I think it's not even more so a momentum as far as it is a business opportunity and decision as well. It's, a, it's another way for players to be in a position to flex their power especially knowing that the NBA league wants to. I mean, we know it from the NCAA talk all the way up that, you know, we know what the owners majority are as far as ethnicity. I um, think I and, think and, I think now we've gotten more of that as time has gone about, but what I'm saying is when it was initially stated from Kyrie Irving um, and the phone call that they had over the weekend and Dwight Howard came out and tweeted a statement as right. well over the weekend. Um, while I do, obviously, I'm somebody that supports well, Dwight Howard advocacy. just lost a baby mom and a lot of Dwight Howard. Been, out, did you know that? I didn't know he lost yeah, a baby he, mom. He, no. he literally just lost uh, his baby mom. And so he was consoling his son. I believe they have a son together. And uh, he, he was spending some time with that. And then the COVID-19 thing hit. And I think he knew somebody who, you know, ended up getting that. So I think with Dwight Howard, obviously, that that. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter in regards, but I think he has a lot to 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 base his decision off of. Well, the same ultimately. with Kyrie Irving because he's not playing. He's out exactly. with and injury, so, and that's and why. And so easier said for somebody like a Kyrie Irving that, right. you know, they shouldn't resume or whatever, and he wasn't in a position to win a championship, all these kind of things. But at the end of the day, I know they're not speaking in regards to COVID-19 when they're saying that, but... I do think right now it is a all eyes on everything type of situation. And that's what they mean is that the just the popularity of basketball being a main sport that's coming back is going to overshadow everything that's going on right now. But let me be clear. I'm, I'm okay with player advocacy. Obviously, I've championed Colin you Kaepernick. With that, that's a lot of with what part that that. If the NBA did come back during this whole situation right now, that it will, the news of that would overshadow no. what's going no, on no, 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 temporarily. No, no. Absolutely not. And this is why I say that. And this is part of the reason why, like I said, initially I actually wasn't rolling, even though I'm somebody that supports player advocacy. I think the momentum of the streets right now is so intense and it's so at a high level. And some of that may be fogged by the fact that I live in a city like Portland, Oregon, that's been protesting like crazy, but it's happening nationwide. I think the streets could hold its own if those guys went to go play during their season and obviously still bring some awareness in whatever way they could with that particular platform. But um, I I don't know if you saw the Dave Chappelle special, but Dave Chappelle Mm -hmm. said something that was really key. 846. He, He was talking about Don Lemon, who basically called him and other celebrities out that had been silenced during these times. And Dave Chappelle said something that I thought was very key. He said, listen, Don Lemon, I didn't necessarily need to say nothing. The streets is talking. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes the streets need a bigger yeah, platform than what I have. That's yeah. not to say I'm not going to come out and say something yeah. eventually, yeah. but the but power of the streets... Time for me to listen at this, this time. At this point in time, it was yeah. time for me to listen because mm-hmm. the power of the streets, the momentum of the streets, obviously the numbers when it comes to the streets, as we're seeing th- hundreds of thousands to millions of people protesting nationwide right now, we sometimes actually do need to take that backseat to the streets and let them lead the way. And that's where I felt if the distraction was going to be, do we play or do we not, or do we not play? And everybody wasn't going to be in a united front in the NBA. I don't want guys from the NBA going out to the streets because they feel like they have to, even though mentally they'd rather be somewhere playing basketball. I don't want to deal with that kind of bullshit activism and bullshit energy while the streets have the energy and the momentum that it has right now. I'm somebody that grew up in the streets figuratively and I work with people that live on the streets right now literally and there does come a point in time as an advocate myself where you have to give the streets the voice because the streets can have more power than any platform that any celebrity, advocate, media personality, NBA player could ever have. That doesn't mean you can't use your platform to support the streets but sometimes you can take that back seat to the streets when they're coming out in numbers and pushing at the way that they are like we've never seen before i don't want to get caught up in the conversation where half the league wants to be activists and the other half the league wants to be playing basketball even about even beyond that but even beyond that these are black athletes I don't want to have to put the burden on these black athletes who are obviously dealing with the crazy traumatic experience as we all are as black men and black people with the deaths of George Floyd, with the deaths of Ahmaud Arbery, with the deaths of uh, Breonna Taylor and so much more. I don't want to have to put that burden on the NBA players to be the ones to have to be, excuse me, have to be on the front lines if they they don't don't choose to to be on on the front lines. Just to not be playing right now don't mean you have to be on the front lines. Like I said, everybody has a different road traveled into the grand scheme of getting this thing taken care of and fixed. But But, but ultimately, ultimately though, I I just firmly believe that playing a game right now is is the least important thing. It's not going to enhance the platform to to fight for this. Um, It's just not. Right now, we've gotten used to having... A little bit of extra time on our hands during due to quarantine and all of that. Um, people are able to research. People are able to impact in a way and in a lane that is comfortable and suitable. Doesn't even have to be comfortable, just suitable for them. And I don't think playing basketball helps anything right now, other than simply our entertainment and us missing basketball. I doesn't that's, think it helps in the ultimate goal of what we're trying to accomplish. I, I and think I know that's that easier for us to say, but you and I both know some of us are born and bred to play ball. That might be the most therapeutic thing for some of those guys to be able to do. But it's, it's not about play therapeutic right now. And, We're all uncomfortable. But, but, it's not about, but, but the it's not about is, catering to you because you're a bat- no, athlete no, no. to be therapeutic. But what I'm saying is... If you it's are time playing to be uncomfortable. ball, if you're playing, not not us, not us. I'm not putting that burden but on I'm black men. We've been uncomfortable. Now, we have been uncomfortable, that's what I'm but that so, doesn't mean it's time for us to be uncomfortable. No, now. But it's what time I'm saying for, is we're in a time of uncomfortability for ultimate change for to last longer. That's what I'm saying. No, so right white now, people are in time of uncomfortability. We've been on uh, this change ultimately. Not, you miss. You got to be open minded to what I'm saying. At least hear me out. When I'm I'm trying to get you to say that right now is a time where things that are precious to us 
Sometimes it has to be stripped. Sometimes the sacrifice of missing the therapy and whatever is therapeutic to you nah. has to be taken away temporarily for the grand scheme and the ultimate goal. And if we are admitting that we're seeing something in a movement like never before, um, I, I think it's important that in whatever way that works for you, that it's all hands in. I don't mean go be on the front lines because you're not playing sports. That just means that sports might be, and like I said, with regards to everything else that led up to this, the COVID-19, the pandemic, all of that, it, it just doesn't make sense to resume back to playing basketball so fast because it might be therapeutic to some or entertaining to others. I think right now it's time to continue to be uncomfortable, maybe more so than ever when you don't have basketball and things like that at your leisure, because we might see a change that's going to affect the rest of our lives, our kids' lives, our grandkids' lives, and things like that. So it's like... Are you boycotting from work right now? Am I boycotting? Are you from boycotting work? from work? Are you not going to work because of the cause at hand right now? Your day job. You don't have to say what your job is. I'm just asking yes or no. Are you going to work right now during the times that we are in at this particular moment? I'm doing essential work. Yes, so I am. I, I, I just that's I'm, not essential I'm work. Working, I'm, I'm working. I'm working. I'm working. But but we're now phasing in in a lot of ways. But so I'm not essential work in. isn't I'm, necessarily I'm the same. But you're working. working though. Yeah, but but you're working. So are you telling me if your work wasn't essential, but you still could go out and work because now? In Washington County, we're in phase one. But Tomorrow, my job doesn't and, distract anybody else is what I'm telling you. My job is not on a on a platform but this to is, where it's, distract, it's but a this, distraction. But this is why I'm glad you said that because now I want to take it even further to where now I actually do like what has come about since Kyrie and Dwight Howard made their initial announcements. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and, and my friend Malika Andrews have been reporting on what the NBA Players Coalition wants to do. And let me pull up a few points right here that the coalition said in regards to what needs to be done for them to come back to play ball. A, improved hiring practices for black front office and head coaching jobs in the league. B, donations to organizations serving black communities. C, partnerships with black-owned businesses and arena vendors. Now, the reason why I'm much more appreciative of that rather than not necessarily having a sense of direction on what each particular guy and role is going to be in this social justice movement. And it's like I said on Kanzano's show, everybody has to take the time in the moment to look inward and reflect on what's going on inside of them or what it is that they're a part of. Take care of that, and then you can branch out and do more socially. It's the same conversation that we have with local politics to state politics to federal politics or national politics. A lot of people automatically want to go straight at Trump, but don't necessarily have an agenda when it comes to what's going on in, in their cities locally, what's going on in their state, and but they want to go straight for the head honcho of Trump. I'm not saying no, don't criticize Trump by any means, but ultimately what I'm saying is with the Players Coalition, now they are looking for a more just league. That I am more than okay with you sitting out for because now you're acknowledging what's going wrong in your league. And now that could be a model because of the platform that the NBA has and that the NBA is for the rest of the world to be able to mirror, for the rest of the world to be able to utilize, to create some of those systemic changes within their workplace and within their societal circles as well. 
I'm okay with that. But initially, when it was just let's sit out and play ball, but we are not all on a united front as to what our role is going to be and what it is that we're going to do, whether it be all of us going out and protesting, whether it be all of us donating a certain amount of money, whatever the case may be, I just didn't feel like there was a, con a consistent enough message across the board in the NBA for me to tell them, hey, don't go back to work and play basketball. Mm -hmm. But... If you're going to look inward to the league that you're in and you're going to address the, 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 the racial inequity within your own league and that is going to allow you to sit out and that's the role that you want to play in sitting out because you want those particular demands met, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But I'm not okay with everybody doesn't have to be on the front lines, but this person could do this thing, this person could do that thing, because I think a lot gets lost in translation when you do that, because everybody isn't on the same accord, everybody isn't on the same page, and we don't know what this person is doing from this person, and like I said, I'm not going to be the one to put the burden on black men to have to be the ones on the front lines during these times, because we've dealt with that oppression, we've dealt with with slavery we've dealt with police brutality we've dealt with all these things so i'm not going to put that responsibility on us now if we want to look inward and put that responsibility on ourselves i'm okay with that you might do it through art and music i might do it through my work in the media they might do it through whatever they feel is led for them to do it through individually but as a collective i thought that now that there's more so looking inward and trying to change the racial inequities within so that the rest of the world that already pays attention this, to this platform could see that model that they're utilizing to change their racial inequities within when it comes to front office, when it comes to, like I said, partnerships, black vendors, when it comes to the jobs that those owners are doing in regards to who they're donating to, in regards to who they're paying, because they're the ones that need the pressure right now. And the way that they're going to get that pressure is by affecting their business that they have going on within. By the players just sitting out, I don't think that puts enough pressures on the owners if you're not giving the owners demands at the same time. Because these owners got bread. These owners got big money. You just sitting out. Oh, okay. You want to sit out? Okay. Well, let's revisit the CBA and let's revisit some of these contract stipulations that you may or may not be that may or may not favor you, I should say. Let's revisit some of these things. I think it's a lot deeper than that. So if you can really kind of take on the issues that are going on within and allow the world to be able to see how you handle that, then I'm okay with guys sitting out. All right, there it is. Then I'm okay with guys sitting out. But uh, let's transition into some music real quick. Um, J. Cole. Let's start off with J. Cole. Did you hear the record? Yeah, it was too wordy for me. Too much words. Uh, hard to dissect for real obviously i know how the come off was instantly tart i i don't want to use the word targeted he was referring to a woman or women mm -hmm. um and then it just got very wordy i listened to it twice to try to capture a little bit more it was just i feel like j cole usually is easily articulate with what he says and what his message is and this one um, maybe I just gotta look a little deeper. I I don't. I I I've heard the negativity on the record that mm -hmm. is dissing women. Uh, ultimately, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't necessarily more so see, black women. I would even go as see, far as say. See, I didn't. I didn't see it like that. But maybe you could give me some 
points in the song where you feel like that because it really wasn't a memorable record to me. Uh, like I said, it was too wordy to where nothing really stuck or stuck out um, outside of that beginning part where he just started off talking about women and idolizing uh, celebrities and just or shaming celebrities. It was just a lot, bro. Yeah, yeah. Um, initially, you had a lot of people saying that he was dissing No Name. Uh, he kind of, kind of refuted that. He came out on Twitter and said that, um, you know, he he had much respect and much admiration for No Name. Um, but essentially, uh, you know, being a black man in this country, there's a lot of black women right now who feel some type of way because in a lot of ways, black women are even more oppressed than black men are in society. But with black men kind of being the face of the movement, obviously, you know, you hear a lot of people out there that do definitely represent for Breonna Taylor, but you have some people out there that are like, well, why not represent for Breonna Taylor as hard as we're representing for George Floyd? I think that more so has to do with what we saw on camera and what we have not seen on camera yet in regards to Breonna Taylor, but I'm just uh-huh. saying that's a statement that a lot of people are making, making generally comparing it, to comparing it to, which, like I said, I'm not the person doing that but i've heard the rhetoric out and about um and you know like i said in if a that's lot of the ways, case i think it's bad timing for him if if that's what he was ultimately the point he was making uh, i just don't think it's the time to shame any women right now especially that's where, black women and, and that's me? where my stance was in now what i will say yeah. what i will say is i think i kind of understood a little bit more where he was coming from in particular um and I think his message was real, and I think a lot of people could feel his so message. So you did? You was able but, to dissect his message? Yeah, for the most part. Like what I said, was the message? The message was essentially that black women are a lot smarter than black men, and right now we need a little bit more love and compassion from black women during this movement. Um, not all black women, but whatever type of black women he was talking to. To me, like I said, if it wasn't directed at no name, it probably was more so Why would it be directed at black no women. Name? Um, I guess she came out and said something about him a while ago. I haven't looked that deep okay, into that okay. particular portion of it, but I think she came out and said something about J. Cole a while ago. Um, and that's why he said in there, like, oh, yeah, she's talking about celebrities. And, I, and like, I'm thinking yeah, she's talking about, about me. me. You yeah. know what I mean? So I think that's why people, people yeah. insinuated that that's what he was talking about. Um, but even still, in, in some ways, he was actually giving black women credit for being smarter than black men and, and for being the queens that they are. But at the same time, they haven't really been as compassionate for us, which I would say there's men that I think that are black men as well that may not align with the type of black man that J. Cole or J. Cole's people is or what J. Cole's surroundings are that feel like they're too good or too smart for the black community during these times as well. So just to kind of particularly point out black women, I think that could have been a message more for the black community when it comes to... He was better (laughs) off making a song about black men sticking up and really being down for black women because they some of the most neglected people on this earth if you think, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree. And we we often times you know, maybe not so much now, but at times, you know, we didn't skipped over and looked over at black women. One hundred as a culture is what I'm 100%. saying. One hundred percent. And so, um, and, and that's why in that these times, said, it's a bad, but, it would, if that's his message, 
which that's not what I got. But if that's his message, it's it's a bad time for that. But this is why I say he was real, though. Where I say he was real, because just like you can acknowledge or you just acknowledge and I can acknowledge the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have been a little bit reckless in mm -hmm. our treatment of black women within mm -hmm. our own culture. Mm -hmm. So the fact that black women kind of have this opportunity to sort of. I don't want to say shoot back at us, but call us out on our bullshit because they're the ones that are most supportive of us during this particular movement. Mm -hmm. I can feel J. Cole where it's like, damn, we're dealing with all this that we're dealing with in America and our women who are the most loyal to us are also sticking it to us right now. I believe that's a real thing. And I think there's credibility in black women being able to do that. And with J. Cole being able to articulate that, I think that comes that's from a art. real place that's and that's art. that's art. But I don't have to agree with this art. Mm. But nonetheless, I thought it was real, genuine, thought-provoking art. And that's the kind of artist J. Cole is and has always been. So that's, that's the way I see it. I respect the art portion of it. I don't have to agree with your art to not respect your art. Um, or to respect your art, excuse me, because I could understand the place that he was coming from. I just don't necessarily agree with him presenting it in the way that he did. But it's his art and it's not mine. And he stands on what he said as he tweeted out earlier. And it is what it is in, in that regard. But um, some more music. Have you heard Damian Lillard's last couple records that he dropped? Yep. Talk to me. Um, I like the one... Uh... I like the one that was very woke, I guess you would say. It was like spoken word poetry almost over a real subtle beat, but I thought it was fitting for what he did. At first, when I heard him in that spoken word type of format, I thought it was kind of just a little intro leading up to a... Yeah, and that record is yeah. called Blacklist, by the way. Yeah, I thought it was going to be leading up to like him... I don't want to say lead it up to it being a real song because this is technically a real song, but mm -hmm. I thought it was going to change up to something. Yeah, you he, thought he was going to kind of get yeah, more and, and he stuck rapping. to that. Yeah, he yeah, stuck to he that stuck spoken to word spoken poetry word type of flow. But I thought it was some of his best wordplay to date as far as how he did it, the tone, the delivery to what he was actually saying. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of bars was packed in that in that record. I was definitely a fan of that song more than I was of the one that he had Rafael Sadiq on that he uh, mm -hmm. shot the video. I love the video. I think, I mean, part of it is captivating. I seen one of the uh, news headlined as like Damian Lillard drops a video as his own version of MTV Cribs. I think it's always dope to kind of see a behind the scenes of you know how these dudes chill and be comfortable in the comfort of their own home. So right. uh, the video, the visual was dope. I thought it's you know, dope that he used um, a local uh, videographer from Portland to shoot it and, you know, welcome me to his home and stuff like that. So um, I was definitely a fan of the Blacklist song more, even though it was more spoken word poetry. Um, the other song wasn't bad either. I think it just... Like I think now I want more. It's like mm -hmm. that is still it's kind of monotonous to me. The flow, the delivery, the even the substance, and so I think that's why Blacklist stuck out. But it's kind of this, you know, repetitive bars at this point where I just I I want to see a little bit more going forward. I want to mm -hmm. see like the next step of his music career since he's made it very clear that he's 
taking it serious yeah, and he does in, have something like he's good yeah yeah he's definitely good i i would say blacklist was incredible yeah um i i've been somebody that has <laughs> been kind of all over the place because emotionally i'll be honest with you i've been all over the place with a lot of the stuff that's going on and i've really kind of had to transfer my sporadic emotional energy into a particular direction and a lot of that has been through my work within the media so i'm very grateful and fortunate to be able to do the work that i love and to have been able to like i said make these appearances i, I did the street roots podcast i'm i've been a part of not town halls but but working with colleges and universities and speaking with student athletes i've done so much within these last few weeks i, I can't even really begin to name it um, but with that, you know, I, I've been listening to listening to a lot of the music that has been coming out. And, you know, you've had guys like Freddie Gibbs, who is known as an A1 lyricist in the rap game. You had Run the Jewels come out. And I think that so far, that album has been like the anthem for the times that we're in. I, I heard Charlemagne the God say that, and I agree with him 100 percent. Um, because I, for one, I, I've always fucked with Killer Mike. I like Killer Mike. I, I think he can really, really flow. But this music was just so timely, not only for us as consumers, but for him as an artist, being that he just had that huge um, viral press conference moment in the city of Atlanta um, just after the George, George Floyd video was released and folks started protesting and rioting and things of that sort. And I think a lot of eyes that weren't really on Killer Mike that may not have come up in the early 2000s when Killer Mike was rapping with Outkast and, and, and just doing his thing back in those days mm -hmm. and seeing kind of the youth really lead this revolution right now to be able to look to Killer Mike in that particular speech that he made that went so viral that certainly hit those youth pockets where his music may not have hit being able to follow up with the music in the way that he did that i felt actually although it had real substance in regards to the times that we're in and what's going on today i think it had a sound that the youth could actually digest as well um it was more this kind of an electronic sound it was it was it wasn't you know kind of sad depressing potentially put you to sleep kind of music it was actually like mosh pit music with substantial bars <laughs> like like a mosh pit like it was mosh pit production i should say with with substantial bars so um i think that's certainly to me probably my favorite album of the year to date because I just thought they didn't miss, but like I said, from production to the lyricism to the features from Pharrell to Two Chains and just so many others um, that that came on there and really uh, bid themselves well on that project. Um, I think Dame, for him to be able to come out with Blacklist the way that he did amongst some of these elite lyricists that have been getting, um, that, that have been making some noise in the rap game right now, and he held his own with that record, I think was very impressive to me. Um, I'm also kind of seeing this Dame that, that just... You know, he's I don't want to say he's rapping like this because he has fucking money, but he's he's rapping, you know, and he's not really um, confined to what it is that he could say because of his position or his role in the NBA, where I think there was once a time when he first started rapping during his NBA career, he might have been a little more cognizant of who he was as a basketball player and that 
didn't necessarily translate to him being able to flow freely within his music. Now I think the dude's flowing freely. I mean, he's proved himself on the basketball court. He's made a killing in regards to signing that $196 million contract that he signed. I think it was $196, um, if I'm not mistaken, close to $200 million. Um, obviously, Adidas, I just think he's raking it in all the way around, and now he feels like he could be as authentic and as, as genuine with his platform as he wants to and as he chooses to be. And I think that's really dope. So I, I was really impressed with Blacklist. But like I said, I think that Run the Jewels album, man, I, I would encourage everybody to go give it a listen because Killer Mike was talking that shit on there. What'd you think about the Raphael Sadiq record real quick? Um, it was all right. I thought Dame, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought Dame had a good flow on it. Blacklist stood out to me a lot more. Um, Blacklist is the record that I've had on repeat more than the Raphael Sadiq record. I thought the Raphael Sadiq record, the Goat Spirit, I believe, is what it's called. Um, it was a good record. I do think it was a it was a quality record. I I like the video as well as you pointed out. Um, but just didn't stand out as much to me during these particular times as Blacklist did. And had he not made Blacklist or had he released Goat Spirit during a different time period than the unprecedented time period that we're in right now, um, I believe I probably could, could listen to Goat Spirit a bit more because I did think it was a good record, um, just not necessarily the record I cared for during these times. Um, but Blacklist certainly fell under the category of a record that I care for during these times. And, you know, I've also been listening to music that has nothing to do with these times as well, just because, um, you know, sometimes I could sort of go down this rabbit hole um, between the work that I do, a lot of advocacy and activism type work, the journalists and the coverage um, that I have to do, and then listening to music on top of that, that reflects and emulates a lot of the work that I do. Sometimes that could be really tiring. It could be exhausting. So sometimes I need to go listen to some music that has nothing to do with the times that we're in, just to take me to a different place and space mentally, because I work so hard on this front and because of the times that we're in, a lot of people have looked to me to to make, like I said, these different appearances and do a lot more work on this front. And even as I mentioned earlier with the city um, making the move that they made pretty much, you know, changing the budget tenfold <laughs> from five hundred thousand to four point eight million with Portland Street response. Um, that's just kind of keeping me going and keeping me running this race for our people and for, you know, disenfranchised and oppressed folks out there. And by the way, I don't know if I said this earlier when I announced that um, Portland Street response budget increase, um, but some of you may have heard about the passing of Ray Sharp Brooks out in Atlanta, Georgia. And I truly, truly believe if there was a pilot or a model like Portland Street Response that could have had a more compassionate first responder than the police, I truly believe Rayshard Brooks would still be alive and breathing right now to this day. Um, he was under the influence, but he was not driving his car. His car was parked at a Wendy's. I think when you have these more compassionate approach, approaches, whether it be medics, whether it be peer support specialists, and he actually is cognizant, cognizant enough to be able to tell you, I just want to get a ride home. I just want to go home. I'm not going to drive the car. I'll leave the car parked here. 
something like Portland Street Response and those type of people would have made sure Rayshard Brooks would have got home. Maybe they would have taken his keys and said, hey, you can pick your keys up from our office at such and such time. You can set an appointment for us to bring you your keys, whatever the case may be. But there wouldn't have been any weapons involved, and I truly believed his life would have been spared right now. So I'm really excited for what I think Portland Street Response could really go uh, grow into. Um, but now I want to talk talk about some taking L's. D-Boy, you got anything for taking L's? Nah, I, I don't. You got something? I do. I do. Um, I don't know if you heard about Mike Gundy, um, the football head football coach at Oklahoma State University. Um, essentially, he was wearing a shirt. He was like out the fishing far, with his buddies. Far right uh, yeah, t-shirt Yeah, news. it was, a, it was a, One that. America News. It's OAN. You think the player took an L or the coach? Um, the coach, I think, took an okay, L. Okay, yeah, because I seen the player getting hounded in the, in the comments. And, and I bet if it said CNN, you wouldn't care. And all, it was just a oh, lot. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't think the player took an L by yeah, any stretch of the imagination. Hounded. I think the coach took an L. Uh-huh. And here's why. And I think a lot of people are not kind of applying more pressure on the coach than I think is necessary. For one, obviously, I thought this kind of resembles something similar to like the Me Too movement, where you had somebody come out and speak up against what this particular coach stood for. And then you had so many other players not just support the stance that I think his name was Chuba took in calling coach out, but obviously they've had certain experiences with with coach Mike Gundy that have been very unpleasant as well. And so with that, it was easy for them to support their teammate on that particular front because I think that there's a long-standing history mm-hmm. with Mike Gundy and the mistreatment in his players. I... Something got to change around here, mm-hmm. and so I I want to kind of take the focus off the shirt in particular because everybody's talking about this shirt. And again, messaging getting lost in translation. Um, you know, you got some people, like you said, that may criticize him for not supporting E at CNN now, or for not supporting this and supporting that. They want to wear now and... people can't wear the shirt. Right, right. And it's free country. And I say that with air quotes because we obviously know what we're fighting for right now. <laughs> but, but you know, with him being who he is, I think that his, his I, for one, I think he should just be fired. Honestly, not because of the shirt, but because of the issues that have arisen from other players on the team in regards to their interactions with the coach. So I don't want to make this about the shirt, and I don't think it's about the shirt. But for two, I think his recruiting is going to go to shit going forward because not only did he get called out by so many players in regards to the treatment of the athletes he within just his program. The, the program. Tarnish the program. He actually did a video with Chuba, and Chuba is like one of the best running backs in the country, by the way, who was the initial player to call Coach Mike Gundy out. And he did a video with Chuba where, like you said, he talked about some things have to change. He never apologized. Chuba was the one who actually apologized, which I hate, and he only apologized because he said he should have came straight to Coach with that statement instead of putting it out on Twitter. But no, no, fuck that. You did right putting it out on Twitter and, and, and calling him out. And like I said, 
Had it been just because of the shirt, then maybe I would agree with you and saying, hey, let me go talk to coach and address him about this shirt. But I think there was so much more underlying in regards to to coach that the shirt was just the tip of the iceberg. He had this shit coming anyway because of who he's been, what he stood for, and obviously the mistreatment of his players. So um, I'm giving him an L because I think Oklahoma State is going to go to absolute shit as a football program. Not that it's been the greatest, but it's on Oklahoma State. So you're, still, you're still rivaling still with a prime, big university prominent. like Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, what's that, Big 12 football? Like that's, that's big time football. And I think that entire program, if it was sugar, it's going to go to shit after Mike Gundy came out and did what he did, said what he said. And I, I just don't feel like even the video that he made both videos, but especially the one that he made that with Chuba in it. It was bullshit. It felt fake. It felt phony. And if you don't believe me, go watch it for yourself and then let me know if it feels fake and phony to you as well. So that's who I'm giving my L to. Um, with that being said, we are going to wrap this episode up. D-Boy, any announcements? Oh, I know one thing. One last thing. The question God record. What's going on with that? Uh, video is being edited right now. I don't okay. want to give too much goods about the video, but y'all gonna like the video. Um, the audio is doing well right now, so we just kind of pushing that. But the video should be releasing next Friday, hopefully. So, mm-hmm. um, I should know in the next 48 hours if that'll be firm. But we pushing for next Friday right now. I have a live band in a studio performance video that's dropping this Friday though. So mm-hmm. be on the lookout for that. So. Yeah, we working. In the meantime, stream question got those very woke. It's a lot about, you know, the feelings of, of what's going on around us and, you know, within us and all of that. So is it on what word? Everything. Every single everything. platform. Spotify, Spotify Apple Music, music all, that. Title, all, all everything. digital YouTube, streaming platforms. Vivo, everything. Got it. Got it. Um, with that being said, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and, and go, go win. win.